Okay, everyone, I'd like to wish you a good morning and thank you for being here on a nice sunny day. Because do you know what statistically happens in the summer? If it rains, we have a great attendance. And on nice summer days, our attendance goes way down. So I want to thank you for being here today and pray that this will be a time of blessing for you. Uh, today we're going to start with a little story about a guy named John Eldridge. I heard about John Eldridge about 20 years ago when he wrote a book called Wild at Heart. And he talked about how sometimes Christianity and the way we present it, especially to men, is really boring. Because all we ask of men is that they come to church, be nice, and go to Bible study. When what God calls of men is to fulfill their calling and take ownership and leadership and take hold of the life to which he's called. So I really appreciated John Eldridge's book, but I haven't heard about him for many years since. And then I recently saw that he was interviewed, and he continues to write. His latest book is entitled Resilience, and it's out of a, a, a conviction that uh, that's what we need more than anything right now coming out of the pandemic. And I know you don't want to talk about the pandemic because it's behind us, apparently, but He's a counselor, and he said one of the things that he has seen in his counseling is that people are depleted, and people are worn out, and we're acting or trying to act like we're 100%, and we've got everything together, and we're just ready to fly and go at 100%. And he writes, or t said in this interview, that what he's been seeing and hearing goes against that because we have gone through a high stress situation multiple high stress situations during the pandemic where there was no end in sight and we didn't know when the end time would end end to the pandemic would come he also notes how we had to adjust to a new normal several times and we had many of the things that we enjoy taken away and that this all took a toll on our souls so that we need renewal and replenishment. And then he shared about something that happened to him last year and here I'll quote him. He writes or says, there are a couple of things that I thought God had promised my wife and I but these did not come. In fact, the opposite happened. And one was a real heartbreak in a relationship with one of our children. And heartbreak happens to all of us, he says. Everyone has disappointments and chronic disappointments in their life. But in that moment, this cloud of darkness ruled over me. And for several weeks, I would wake up in the morning and wonder, am I a believer anymore? I had lost my normal intimacy with God. And thankfully, I've lived long enough to know exactly what was happening. The enemy was at work discouraging me. He notes how the devil pounces on opportunities like this. He wants to see a sweeping loss of faith in God throughout the world. He urges us to give up on God. He plants thoughts like God's not with you. God does not have your best in mind. God is not good. And Eldridge says he actively resisted this. He began to pray, I reject the presence of the enemy in my life. 
I reject you. I make no agreements with you. I choose God. And over time, the cloud began to clear. He writes, or says, said in the interview, and all I was left with was the heartache. And the heartache is real, but the cloud does not have to stay. Eldridge experienced refreshment in the Lord. And I wonder if you can relate to any of this. Have there been times in the last couple of years where you have felt depleted in energy, in emotion? Have you struggled with exhaustion and fatigue? Has your passion for life or the Lord gone way down? Do you find that you are lacking resilience or even hope about the future? And if so, this might indicate a significant depletion of your reserves and the need for renewal, rest, and refreshment. And the good news that we have today is that we are not the first people to go through something like this. In Ezekiel, we have met a people who have gone through an incredibly difficult time. They experienced the displacement of exile. They now live near the enemy capital city of Babylon, and they had received news that their capital city, Jerusalem, has been completely destroyed along with their temple. So their homeland lay desolate. They had no king, no hope of return or rescue from their captivity, and their future looked bleak. In fact, they were even saying to one another, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Yet they were about to receive good news, for God had appointed this messenger named Ezekiel to bring him his message, and in perhaps the most famous passage in this book, Through a vision, God will show the Israelites his good intentions for them. And we have the benefit of not only hearing God's good news, but seeing him keep his promises as we look back over history. And I pray that the vision of renewal that we are about to work through today will start you on a journey of renewal and refreshment if you're not already on that journey. And if you are on that journey, that you will be encouraged to continue your journey of receiving renewal and refreshment from the Lord. So, please find Ezekiel 37 in your Bibles, or if you don't have a Bible, the Pew Bibles in front of you have it in page 617, and we'll look at the first 14 verses of the famous Valley of Dry Bones passage. Ezekiel 37. And Ezekiel is talking here, he says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and you will cause flesh to come upon you. And, will co- and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, 
as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord." I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So the question that we're asking today is, what is our only hope when life feels like bone-dry death? And the Lord shows Ezekiel another vision. The Spirit of the Lord brings him to the middle of a valley or a plain, and it is covered in bones. And the Spirit makes sure that Ezekiel realizes the extent of this bone coverage by taking him on a tour. And Ezekiel notes all these bones are laying on the surface of the valley. They are human bones. And this would disturb a priest of Israel like Ezekiel, who was not supposed to touch dead bodies. He also knew the importance of burying dead bodies. Yet here lay a valley of bones. And Ezekiel notes at the end of verse 2 that the bones were very dry, like they had laid there a while. It's like a battlefield where after weeks and months, if the bodies are not buried, they will dry out and decompose and only bones will be left. And then the Lord asks Ezekiel a seemingly ridiculous question. Son of man, can these bones live? Well, of course not, would be the expected answers. Bones don't live on their own. They need to be joined together. They need to have flesh and skin over them, organs within them, and the breath of life to give the body life. But Ezekiel has learned and seen the Lord's power and possibility, so he doesn't say no. He says, oh Lord, you know. And then the Lord instructs Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, which is a little bit weird. Yet he gives him the words to say, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and cover your skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Which is a complete reversal of the decomposition process. And to his credit, 
Ezekiel obeys. He prophesies, and then here's this rattling where bones start coming together, and then they get covered with muscles, and then the muscles get covered with skin. And you can see a picture, a depiction of this on the inner part of the bulletin, where there's this picture from the Bible Project, and on the bottom left side of the picture, you see Ezekiel among these scattered bones, and then they try to portray there the coming to life that Ezekiel observed, except that the Bible Project video or picture has to skip a step. And that step is, by the end of verse 8, they have come together as bodies, but they do not yet have life in them. And so, Ezekiel observes this. The scattered bones are formed into bodies, but they're still laying on the valley floor. And then the Lord instructs Ezekiel to prophesy again, prophesy to me, breath, or to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So Ezekiel must speak words that call some sort of breath to give life to the bodies. And he obeys. And the breath comes into these newly formed bodies and they come alive and stand to their feet. And Ezekiel calls it an exceedingly great army. And you might recognize a pattern. If you've read the Old Testament before, if you read the first chapters of the Bible before, you remember God forming a man out of dust and then breathing the breath of life into him. There the Lord formed a man. Here the Lord turns a valley of scattered bones, dry bones, into a living human army. And then in verses 11 to 14, the Lord interprets the vision and proclaims what he is going to do. So in verse 11, he says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. The whole house of Israel. An extremely important point. Because the exiles were not the whole house of Israel. They were just part of the southern kingdom. Only two of the 12 tribes were descendants of those exiles. The exiles were descendants of the two of the 12 tribes. The other 10 had been scattered 140 years before. Yet here the Lord is saying, these bones are the whole house of Israel. All 12 tribes scattered and defeated. And then the Lord reveals the thoughts of the Israelites. In verse 11, where they are saying to one another, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are indeed cut off. So they had no hope. They concluded no restoration would happen for them and they've received this news that Jerusalem is destroyed, that the temple is destroyed. They have no king. They have no city to go home to their homeland is devastated it's the end we have no future but the Lord has other ideas and the scene changes in verse 12 from a valley of dry bones to a cemetery and the Lord says I will open your graves and raise you from your graves O my people and I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. And then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken 
and I will do it. So the answer to the question that we're asking today, when life feels like bone dry death, what do we do? Actually, we don't do anything. God breathes in spirit-filled life. When we're living and it feels like bone dry death, God breathes into us spirit-filled life. And just as the Lord made dry bones into living people in the vision, the Lord would take his people from exile and return them to their land. And he will rescue them from the grave of exile and fill them with his spirit. So then what happened? Well, within 70 years, some of the exiles had returned and built a new temple. And you read about that in the books of Ezra and Habakkuk. And then the Lord raises up Nehemiah, who returns and rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. And so people start to come back and to return and to regather. But the greatest regathering begins in Acts 2 in the New Testament, where the 12 disciples are together. The day of Pentecost arrives, and suddenly there comes from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind filling the house where they were sitting. And what did Ezekiel prophesy in the second prophecy? Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And then in Acts 2-4, the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And according to Acts 2-5, we're told that Jews from every nation had gathered in Jerusalem and suddenly they are hearing the good news proclaimed in their native tongue or the homeland from which they came from. They hear the good news, about 3,000 get baptized and added to the disciples of Christ. And this renewing work of God's spirit started then and continues today among Israelites, and among us. According to Romans 11, there will be a mass conversion of Jews to Christ at some point in the future. The Lord will continue to bring his people home, but he also does this renewing and reviving work continually in our lives if we are open to receiving it. So how does God do that? And here I've got five ways. How does God bring new life to those living in bone-dry death? Well, the first way, perhaps the most dramatic initially, is he physically raises people from the dead. And we see this both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. An example from the New Testament, Luke 7, verses 11 to 17. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And then he came up and touched the stretcher and the bearer stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother 
and fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and to the surrounding country. And if we've been in the church for any length of time, I think we can just get too used to passages like that. Oh, yeah, Jesus rose the dead. He physically rose people from the dead. The power of God over death, bringing new life. So that's one way God brings new life. Secondly, he spiritually raises us from the dead at the moment of our conversion. We are spiritually dead when we are apart from God before we come to Christ. Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 7 talks about this. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So if you are a Christian here today, God has already done his resurrection work in your life in raising you from spiritual death, and you can look forward to his raising you from physical death if you die before Christ returns. Number three, God breathes new life into us through the Holy Spirit. And this was the promise of Ezekiel 37, 14, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. But listen to Romans 8, verses 9 to 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Number four, Jesus offers the life-giving things of God instead of the life-depleting things of the world. Like he says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. John 10.10 10, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And number five. God brings restoration and renewal into our lives. Psalm 18, 19, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted me. Psalm 23, 3, he restores my soul. Psalm 41, 3, the Lord sustains him on a sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. 
Psalm 51.12, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Psalm 126.1, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Isaiah 40, verse 31, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. No matter what problem, hopelessness, discouragement we face today, God can breathe new life into us and our situation. God breathes new life into the walking dead, those spiritually dead, those beaten down or discouraged in life. God brings life into the most impossible situations. And the only hope for those walking in bone-dry death is to be filled with the spirit of God's life. So, how do we open ourselves up to God's renewing work in us. First of all, you must receive Christ as your only hope for rescue from spiritual death. And if you've never received Christ, then you are continuing to walk in bone-dry death today. And Christ is waiting. He has paid the price to redeem you, to rescue you from that bone-dry death living to living with spiritual life, the life of Christ in you. If you don't know how to receive Christ, maybe you can ask someone that you came with today or come and talk to me after or contact us. That's the first step. We have to receive Christ as our only hope for rescue from spiritual death. Then secondly, we have to repent of any ongoing sin. The New Testament talks about grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit. So a lifestyle of sin quenches God's renewing work in our lives. So we receive Christ, we repent of any ongoing sin. Thirdly, we can ask the Lord to strengthen us with power through his spirit. And Ephesians 3, 14 to 16 contain this incredible possibility. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So pray and ask for God to strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Fourth, be filled with the Spirit afresh. Ephesians 5, 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As Christians, we have the Spirit dwelling within us, but that doesn't mean we're filled, necessarily. Filling depends on our closeness and openness to God. It's kind of like the airflow in our homes. We can have a furnace in our basement. We can have an air conditioner which blows air through our house. But if in our room the vent to the furnace or to the air conditioner is closed, we are not going to receive that air. And our sin or distance from God is like a closed or clogged air vent to the Spirit's work in us. So we need to open our lives up to the refreshing work of God's Spirit within us. 
And so that's how we're going to close our time today as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. And I want you to invite you to close your eyes at this moment and acknowledge to the Lord the state of your soul in maybe one word. And so I'll give you some possibilities here. What is the state of your soul? Empty? Bone dry? Weak? Depleted? Distant? Apathetic? Anxious? Rebellious? Angry? Calm? Full? Acknowledge to the Lord the state of your soul. Next, if there is any sin in your life, will you confess that to the Lord now? And now, I want to invite you to open up your life and soul to the Spirit's filling. Let the Lord fill you with his fullness. Let him renew and refresh you. And we can express that desire in our next song. You can sing along or you can just listen. Remain seated. and receive from the Lord his filling, his renewing work. And so let's listen or sing along as you are led. Mm -hmm. 